0: Hi, everyone. Today I'm talking with Bruno Parecki about his debut novel, Town Law. It's an amazing character-driven story and easily one of the best debuts I've ever read. Before we dig into the story with the author, here's the inside scoop on Bruno Parecki. Before devoting himself to writing, award-winning author Bruno Parecki spent over two decades as a Nashville entertainment industry executive, specializing in strategic alliances and artist relations. A native of Capitol Hill in Seattle, Washington, he spent his formative years enjoying the beauty of the San Juan Islands and the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. He is a 30-year resident of Franklin, Tennessee, and lives downtown with his wife Jennifer, their three rescue cats, and one spoiled Rhodesian Ridgeback. Town Law, his debut novel, received the Gold First Place Award in the Adult Fiction category at the 2022 Feathered Quill Awards. You can join Bruno on Instagram at bruno.parecki. Well, hi, Bruno. Welcome to Inside Scoop Live.
1: Hi, Sherry. I'm so excited to be here with you.
0: Yeah. Now, your book won the Reader Views Reviewer's Choice Awards in the Feathered Quill Book Awards program. And because of that, I was able to review your book. And and here we are having a conversation about it. So, you know, first of all, just congratulations.
1: Well, thank you. It's very exciting. And I'm, I'm completely honored by that.
0: Tell us a little bit about your writing journey. When did you start writing? You know, have you always wanted to be an author? And what made you decide to actually sit down and write a book?
1: Wow. Okay, so the semi-short version of that <laughs> answer would be that I guess I knew I was a writer when I was in fourth grade and I, I penned my first story. But my circumstances of my upbringing didn't really allow for me to kind of lean into that and have some backing support there. So I just kind of went on through life and got myself involved in the entertainment industry. And as I was working with a lot of the top talent names that, you, that are household names and spending time on the road, one day I was home from a tour and I was kind of just at my desk and I was doing my day job and it was an early morning and all of a sudden town law showed up. Oh, wow. He was the character that showed up across my table from me and started telling me the story. And that's the God's truth right there. It was a, a very interesting experience. And it, and I wrote, I don't know, 3,000 words that day that he had kind of downloaded into me. Oh, my goodness. And that was really the start of Town Law and my writing in adulthood. And that was I got to say, I, I was looking at some some notes from way back, those, those first kind of jots and tittles, mm-hmm. and that was uh, about t- 2010 when uh-huh. I started. And yeah, so I went on with my day job and got distracted, of course, uh, <laughs> in the entertainment industry, very dynamic, and would pick it up out on tour uh, during a down day or something and write in some of these big stadiums and things of that nature. And then finally, the characters just wouldn't leave me alone. And I had to lean into it full time. And so that was about six years ago where my wife, Jennifer, and I downsized into a a smaller house that we have in downtown Franklin. And I just leaned into it full time. Mm. And that was it. And it took maybe another three years of writing to write Town. And so that's kind of that story. And all of a sudden, I was a writer. Yeah yeah <laughs> so,
0: so tell us a little bit about the story itself what is town law about
1: you know uh, town is you know, town's obviously the central character in this coming of age story that's just cloaked in this beautiful tapestry of hope and family chosen and otherwise mm-hmm. and native lore and love ultimately it's just kind of this beautiful tale that encompasses all the good things of life and there's some bad in there as well but for the most part if somebody's looking for dystopia it's definitely not town law right Uh, you know so that's kind of the way that i would describe it it's and wrapped in an adventure of a little bit of creepiness a little bit of romance and uh and a little bit of this kind of mystery of life and ancient wisdom
0: yeah i loved it i absolutely loved it well thank Uh, you yeah so what was your inspiration behind the storyline?
1: You know, I grew up in the mountains of the Pacific Northwest and spent a lot of time there. Also, I'm a, kind of a San Juan Island baby, too. I went there quite often growing up, and oh. which is so my, my muse is really the, the Pacific Northwest. And even though I've been in Franklin for 30 years and in the South for about 35 now, it's still always it holds that nostalgia for me yeah. back in the Pacific Northwest so that was really it i knew that once town started coming through to me i you know the pacific northwest was where he was and that didn't surprise me at all Mm -hmm. the uh native aspect of things wasn't surprising either as i was kind of versed in native lore growing up we have a lot of that in the pacific northwest through our museums and even some school programs so i was always fascinated by our native american brothers and and the lifestyle that was lived, and the legends and lore yeah. that come out of those cultures.
0: You touched on the Native American uh, mm-hmm. aspect of your novel, and, and Town Law includes a couple of different groups that are, I guess I'll just say, underrepresented in mainstream media. Sure. Um, what level of importance did you place on the inclusion of these groups in your story?
1: Well, they were, uh, they were natural to be mm. there. Um, and they showed up as well. So when we have Myra Three Moons come on the scene is, and Shelock as well, which are his tribal elders, mm-hmm. um, White Feather, who shows up eventually in the tale, it's you, they were natural to be there. And mm-hmm. in that culture, we do see that, you know, it's oration, right? I mean, everything was oratory being handed down right. through tribes. And so I, I felt that that was an important parcel to keep in there and allow that to come forward in the tale, And so I think that that's represented very well. Also the native American cultural center and that, that being a partnership from people with means and resources that wanted to lean in.
0: Yeah. And
1: even though town is part native American, you know, we see his fondness and love for the culture and his devotion to the culture and the, the, the ancient ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, you talked a little bit about characters, and I think I said in my review that your characters just, well, did me in just about, I mean, I loved your characters. (laughs) Uh You know, I really, I liked the group of friends. I loved how Mm -hmm. they hung out and became, you know, if they weren't family, then they were the family of choice. And uh, I just, I love the camaraderie and the, Dialogue and the interaction between your characters. I thought you did a fantastic job with your characters. Um, Thank you. So how fun was it to create these characters?
1: It was a ride, you know, and I think that that is one of the most enjoyable facets of writing is getting to know your characters. Mm -hmm. Because it is the relationship with them and the tale that they bring to you to be the hands and feet or the fingers on the keyboard to bring that to light and share their stories. So it's, uh, in, in one way, I'm a, I, I think I'm kind of a biographer of these, these yeah. characters. <laughs> uh, at the same time, it is really wonderful to watch them come together and the gelling of the entire story. And it was interesting on how I wrote, because I wrote whoever showed up on the other side of my writing table wow. that morning, and whoever jumped up and down the highest. Sometimes there were many (laughs) there. And so it was like, all right, so who's going to jump today and get my attention. And so I wrote in these large loops, never really writing a full fledged story, much less a novel before I had no idea how to do it. And I wasn't a chronological writer. I found that out very soon, just by the way the characters showed up and started telling me different pieces of the story. So when it started knitting together, and the research that I did, especially around the Native American tribal treaties and things like that, it was just marveling to me how everything synced up. Mm-hmm. I'm, I I just don't have an explanation for that <laughs> at all. I mean, it was really a beautiful experience, and so it's it the, the basic part of the characters in their structure. And how they interrelate with each other is just fascinating to me.
0: Yeah.
1: And I know that, you, as you said, just we're alluding to a little bit ago, the gathering is really kind of one of my favorite things. And I, I, I think we need gatherings today Yeah, of, with people that can sit and talk and, and say anything they want to say and just get it out on the table and everybody listen to each other respectfully and have some dinner and, and enjoy it enjoy the, the fellowship and maybe try to gain understanding with each other. So I think that there is some of that in town law.
0: So are your, all of your characters totally made up or do you base any of them on people you know?
1: Well, <laughs> my wife, Jennifer, who, who happens to be a psychotherapist and has been for 20 years in private practice here, would say, hey, you're in every one of those characters. <laughs> and, uh, and she's probably right. To degree, some of their circumstances are definitely reflected of my upbringing mm-hmm. and pieces of my life. And, and some of them are reflective of beautiful relationships and friends that I've had in my life. Yeah, um, And so I guess there was this, you know, there's some of it that was cathartic and some of it was, that was extremely healing to Write Town Law. I guess in a way that, you know, as we, we all get older— We want to look back and retrace our steps in certain ways Mm -hmm. and reconcile those that seem to be kind of out of line or miss maybe our own missteps in some way and to go back and look at those again and, you know, make sure our slate in life is clean. Um, And if not, at least we understand it and we understand why we made decisions we made in our lives. Yeah. So that's a deeper dive into
0: it. <laughs> yeah, anyway. yeah. Yeah. You are a very visual writer. I mean, I felt like I could see the entire story playing out as I was reading. You talked a little bit about that when you said that things just came to you, but how did you mm-hmm. create such visibility for the reader?
1: I would say in the, I, I've been to the places that I write about and it was funny. Jennifer and I were talking about this, this past weekend And it was really about the fact that I was a latchkey kid Mm. and spent a lot of time alone. And so her question to me was, you know, hey, how did your mother play a role in your in your imagination? And I had to think about it for a second because she was working a lot. But I grew up as an only child, so I had a lot of downtime and I was also very independent young and I I was taking the city bus in downtown Seattle in the sixties, mind you, uh, by myself, by the time I was eight years old. And so by the time I was 10, I had a pretty, pretty visual, you know, map of the city of Seattle in my head and I could go by bus anywhere. Yeah. Um, So I was very independent in that way, but. I also spent a lot of time at the museums and the parks in my downtime. And I took study in almost an anthropological way of people, even of places, uh, of the animals, of even flowers and trees and just nature. So that's always been kind of hardwired into me. So I I guess in some respects, I've always been a visual person. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. So in terms of research, you were already familiar with the settings. Was there a lot of other uh, research involved?
1: There definitely was. I wanted to make sure that, especially when I was handling Native American history, that that was done correctly and with the utmost care. And so the Princeton section of the book is written in Princeton. Mm. And we have some friends in Princeton, so we, we spent quite a bit of time up there. And so I was go to the Firestone Library to write or find a carol somewhere and go hide away and, and write for a week up there at a time. And so that's where that's, that part of the story was written, you know, and I absolutely love Princeton. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just such a beautiful campus and, and it just a sweet little town. And then the, the rest of, of course, I mean, we're in the the mountains of the Pacific Northwest. And where this location where pole pass would be, would be a little South of Lewiston, Idaho, and a short Southeastern line from hell's Canyon, which sits on the border of Washington and Oregon and Idaho. So we're out in the middle of nowhere there. And I've been through that terrain before. And then of course, Capitol Hill in Seattle. And that was where my my formative years were spent. That's where I grew up,
0: Okay.
1: which is a still a wonderful enclave. In the city. That's nice.
0: Now, Town Law has been out for a little over a year now. What, mm-hmm. what kind of feedback have you received?
1: You know, it's a lot of people really enjoy the characters and that's sweet. You know, it's just a nice kind of soothing balm when you hear that from people that that aren't, you know, they're not your family or your friends, right? right? But they've, <laughs> they've, they've gotten connected to it in some way. And I was speaking at a book club, an old Nashville book club here maybe just two weeks ago and meaning an older Nashville book club that had been has been in existence for like 25 years. Oh wow. But the youngest person in the book club was maybe 63. So oh, the, wow. and, the, and the oldest was 85. Huh. So this dear lady said to me as we were having our kind of round table and discussion and she Peels open a page and she says, thank you so much for writing this to me. And she read it to me. And it's where Daniel Town's father is responding to him when he asks about his deceased mother. And, and if it still hurts to see your picture. Mm. And it's a really tender moment. And this woman had lost her husband. And in some way, this this helped her. Those the words in the book really helped her. As he talks about, we have to move on down this river of life and see ebb and flow. And this the, the way that I'm. It's actually is written a lot more eloquently than I'm <laughs> pre- conveying it at the moment. But it was just a something that really struck me because it was somebody that was hurting and in need, and this somehow helped her. It it was a little respite from the pain of losing your spouse. Mm-hmm in an advanced age. And so I, anyway, that was something that, that was a feedback piece that just came to me. And it was something that I was like, wow, this is humbling in
0: that way. I love that. That gives me goosebumps. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You don't, you know that your writing affects people. I mean, people love the story. They connect with the characters Mm -hmm. and all. Um, But to hear about a connection on that level that's really, yeah. that's really nice. Yeah. It was
1: really special. Yeah. For sure.
0: So what do you like to read and which authors have inspired your own writing?
1: Wow. Let's see. Okay. So I really like character driven stories mm-hmm. um, and, um, Carlos Ruiz R- R- Zafon, one of my favorites. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him, but he did this, the, a series, uh, uh, the, I think the series might, may be called The Cemetery of Forgotten Books. But the first book in that series is uh, The Shadow of the Wind. Oh. And he he was a Spanish writer. He died far too young. He died two years ago at 55. Oh,
0: wow.
1: And he's a magnificent storyteller. So Shadow of the Wind, I, I highly recommend. I read that every October since it was translated, and that was 2007. Really? It's translated. Yeah, it's on Penguin. And now I
0: have Penguin to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's,
1: it's, it's a fabulous story. Yeah. And and then he went on to write a prequel or two prequels and then an, a, a sequel to end it. But anyway, that's still my one of my all-time favorite reads. And it's a great October book. It's got because it, it has a little bit of creepy edge to it, and it's think nineteen forty five Barcelona.
0: Okay. And
1: uh, yeah, and his descriptive writing is fabulous. Another one of my favorites is, is Pat Conroy uh, oh, because yes. of the, yeah, his character development is is just so spot on. Those are two that come immediately to mind for me, and uh, what I like to read, and and I do like to read just. You know, I, I like to read historical fiction as well, mm-hmm. um, but it's just, I, I marvel at, at the stories that come up through writers, you know, and, and what they're thinking and what they're putting down on the page yeah. as well. So I do find it difficult to read while I'm writing. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting, I, it, you know, because I guess you just don't want the bleed over. Right. So I do find that that's something that I've learned over the past couple of years. It's like, oh, wow, this is kind of hard for me to do in the middle of something. At least it was during town law. And I'm I'm involved in another write at the moment. <laughs> so I haven't picked up another book to read it.
0: Right, right. I haven't heard that very often, but I have heard it before of mm. how one writer mentioned that she didn't like to read when she was writing because mm-hmm. she didn't want that story to subconsciously make it into... Her story somehow, and you know I right. mean all the ramifications of that, you know yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure, yeah.
1: no, that's kind of how I feel about it. I mean yeah. it's just now, I should try again, especially now that I'm into this other right, and it's a way different process than town law, I mean, town law I was completely blind, yeah i didn 't know what I was doing i i didn't know what it took to publish a book, I knew nothing about having a slew of editors i knew nothing i I knew nothing about that, so Those were things I learned along the way. And that was terrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, wait a minute, what happens now? What's next? And so anyway.
0: What was the hardest part about it? How did you feel about giving your writing to someone for the first time?
1: Well, I wasn't really afraid of it. Mm. Um, I guess because the person I gave it to turned out to be my developmental editor.
0: Okay.
1: And so he was fantastic. And as a matter of fact, my entire editorial was great. So I had a developmental editor named Scott Norton, and he's written a book on developmental editing. Oh wow! So he's, he's pretty well known, and he's a wonderful resource. So I met with him out in San Francisco. He happens to be related to me, and so really, uh, yes, through my through my wife, random thing, they're cousins. And he's 60, 61, so he's my age. And he goes, come out here, come out to San Francisco, spend a week with me, or, or spend a few days, and I'll take two days off work and we will go through your manuscript. Oh, nice. And so we did that. And God bless him because it was, my manuscript was a mess. I mean, I didn't know even know how to format a manuscript. I didn't <laughs> even bother looking it up. I just typed all this stuff and put it in, you know, space, space and a half. So... He was such a dear to go through this with me, and he, I sat there and I took Kobe's notes, and he goes, "I think you can handle the editing of this part of your edit, and then go get a copy editor." And so that's kind of how that transpired. But so I wasn't really kind of uh, about that, right? Um, and Jennifer had been reading it all along, and she was like, "This is really good." So I felt confident in a way that. You know, the I guess my, my biggest fear of all was that I wanted it to be good. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted it to be the best that it could be, yeah. and um, I didn't want to get in the way of that. Yeah, so
0: well, it sounds like he had a great editorial experience, and that's so important. I think that's the most important part, especially in the independent world.
1: I will tell you this what else he did for me was he introduced me to a woman by the name of Barbara Fuller who runs an editorial service that is essentially a house of freelancers that are highly vetted out in the Bay area. And her program is called edit cetera. And I sent her, you know, when it was done, I sent her a piece of it and she farmed it out to several editors to see if they would like it. And the one I chose, her name is Alyssa Rabellino and she's absolutely fabulous. It was funny, I was looking at a book on my bookshelf and I was looking at trim sizes, you know, and I just pulled it out and I started going through it and looking at front matter and back matter. What's yeah. in a book? Because I don't know, right? <laughs> and I'm looking and there her name is at the bottom of the book. Oh my and gosh. She, you know, is she proofed it. She proofed this book. It's just random off a bookshelf.
0: That is random.
1: It was crazy. And then my, uh, my proofreader was a gal named Suna Cherwin And she was, her style sheet, whoa, I'll just say that. (laughs) It's like, wow. Yeah, I I was just really fortunate, uh, beyond fortunate, to have these people come into my life and help me do this. And we're actually partnering up again for the new book.
0: Oh, good, good. Well, so what are you working on now? Can you tell us a little bit about it?
1: Yeah, sure. So what I'll say is think Hitchcock Ghost story and coming of age, ah. and um, kind of all rolled up into one. <laughs> it's this. The title of the book is called "The House of Long Shadows," and it takes place on Orcas Island, which is one of the San Juan Islands off the coast of Washington State. It takes place over the summer of 1972, so June, July, August, and it's about an author, and the lead is female. So I'm writing a female lead. Nice in this. And I've got a third of it on paper, but I have the story, which is so much different than town (laughs) law. So now it's really, I've really been kind of hunkering down and trying to just focus on the right. And uh, yeah, so that I've just been immersed trying to get this done because I would love to have it out by summer. But to get it to editors and to, you know, make sure that happens in time. For a summer reading yeah i don't I'm, you know yeah. i'm not gonna hold myself to that now I, I i just can't the story's so good yeah that um i don't i don't want to let it drop the other thing i was just going back to our of the other conversation about going through the editing process as well was the one of the things that i learned and wasn't even aware of but when i learned it i was like oh my gosh this is such a big deal was narration mm it was like my narration was kind of all over the map in town law. And I didn't know how to consolidate that until it was brought to my attention. And then I did. And so that's why you see these, everybody kind of, it's almost like the gospels, right? Because you have people telling <laughs> their different slants of the story. And so Virginia gets to tell a piece of it in town law, you know, town obviously does. Um, Mary gets to tell her piece, Carla, Gets to tell All these characters get to kind of tell a piece. You right. have Myra, Myra Three Moons and Chilock get to narrate. So everybody gets a turn. So that was one thing that I would encourage every writer, every, or every aspiring writer, rather, to pay attention to your narration.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah, I was going to ask you what, you know, based on your debut experience, what advice you could give to aspiring authors. Yeah. Would you think that would be the most important piece?
1: I would say that and... The one piece of advice I was given by an author, and this person said, if you're going to write, you got to write every day. Mm. doesn't matter if it's a word, if it's a sentence, or if it's 3,000 words, you write every day. Otherwise, you will never finish your book. That's what he told me, and he was true. It was right. I mean, I did. I, I held myself to that, and and did. And even in those times where I broke away from town law because of work, I mean, I set it down at one point for two years. Oh wow! And didn't pick it up. And you know, it was true, right? It didn't get written. <laughs> and yeah. then so I picked it go. up, and then I <laughs> I picked it back up. I started writing again, and then I put it back down for a year. So I mean, my all-in right time in town law is about. Five years, four and a half to five, I would say. Yeah, it took to write that, but it's it's a four hundred and sixty-five page book.
0: Yeah, it's a decent-sized story for sure. Yeah, Yeah. it didn't feel like it was long though. I I was surprised when it was over. You know, well, that's
1: great. I'm glad. One of the other comments that I've gotten has been about people really do like the native lore part because they like the the research that was put into it and the ending where they're like, oh, how's he going to land this plane? Because it's like it. When you cinch it, it cinches pretty quickly. I mean, it's, uh, it's pretty interesting. Did it feel like that to you? Did it feel like the runway was short, oh, but yeah. it worked? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, right. yeah.
0: So now, are we done with these characters, or will they make an appearance in the future sometime? There'll, be
1: a, there'll be a cameo in Long Shadows.
0: Oh, yeah. okay. We'll
1: see, a, we'll see a cameo, but it will just be, it'll be pretty removed. Okay. The, but there's a little surprise there. Oh, nice. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for readers to meet these characters as well, because they're they're special. They're special.
0: Yeah. So, well, I'm excited, uh, too. So don't forget yeah. about me. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-uh.
1: no, 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 no. Uh uh-uh. uh.
0: Well, Bruno, do you have anything else you wanted to add today?
1: You know, I'm just so thankful for the opportunity and to have people read my book. I mean, it's, it's such a wonderful feeling to experience that. And somebody who's worked on fulfilling other creative people's dreams the majority of my life uh, to be able to lean into my own and kind of fall into it headlong is kind of one of those times where I've, it's the first time I've ever done anything for myself oh, wow. in a way. And so that's been a wonderful experience. And to have folks like yourself and others come alongside it and go, I get this, I get this, and be so affirming is, I can't express my gratitude for it. Mm. And the warm feeling that I get from that, it's just this big belly rub. Warm and fuzzy, huh? (laughs) it Really, I mean, it's just a wonderful thing. And it just Mm. spurs me to write more and write better.
0: Right, right. Well, good, good. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks so much, Sherry.
0: Well, Bruno, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed talking with you and learning more about you and your work.
1: Well, thank you. It's been entirely my pleasure and uh, what a wonderful experience.
0: Thank you for joining me today for my interview with Bruno Parecki, author of Town Law. To learn more about Bruno, join him on Instagram at bruno.parecki. And be sure to check out our other interviews at InsideScoopLive.com.